Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Welcome to On the Continent, your definitive guide to the week in European football. I'm Dawson Adebayo. I'm Andy Brassel. And I'm David Cartledge. On this edition, Barca were running away with La Liga, but now they're looking like they can be caught. Where did their last two games go wrong? Also, Pogba's back in Serie A. Has he played his last get-out-of-jail card? Or do Juve still fancy him? And Zlatan's back at Milan. Do they still need him? Do they still feed him now that he's 41? And love him or loathe him as Pepe turns 40? Is he regarded as being one of the best centre-backs in the game or for being the man who wrote the shit house rule book? First of all, some sad news, Andy. If you're a French football fan, mm. a legend of... Their game has passed away, but perhaps somebody that many of our listeners wouldn't have heard of. Well, Jules Fontaine is not just part of French football history and part of European football history. He's part of World Cup history. Um, one of the records that you don't ever feel will be broken of 13 goals in a single World Cup finals, 13 in six in the 1958 World Cup in Sweden. That's what he's he's mainly known for. Um but there was there was a load more to him. Um, he recalls um, France's colonial past to a certain point because he was born in Marrakesh to a French father and a, a Spanish mother and made his first steps 
in Moroccan football before um, being recruited by by Nice in the in, in the fifties, just when he thought he was going to become a PE teacher. And um, then he came over and broke all sorts of records with Nice, with Reims, um, who he played in the European Cup final for against Real Madrid, and of course the, the the French national team. But he did lots of stuff afterwards. He was one of the first co-commentators on uh, French television as well. He was the coach that got PSG promoted to the top flight for the first time in 1974, and he was part of that whole glamour of PSG when they 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 first came to the fore. He used to stand there um, in training with his sheepskin coat on, puffing a cigar. He used to play cards with the players. who all loved him telling stories about the, the, the World Cup. So he's, he's got like, quite a wide-ranging influence on French and European football. And as for that record, of course, a lot of people jealously protect their records. And you can understand that. They're sportsmen, they're competitive, they, they, they want to get in their bag. But Jules Fontaine always said, about that unbreakable record. He said, well, records are made to be broken. Someone will do it one day. David, we thought, uh, certainly last week, that Barca were running away with the La Liga title. Even though they had lost one match, you thought, well, that was a blip. But now they've lost two in a row. What's going on? What's going on is that they are absolutely ravaged from those energy sapping, um, I think, mentally demanding games against Manchester United. Um I think if you look across both legs for both clubs, they both put so, so much into those games. Um, and I think for Barca to be in the position that they were um, at Old Trafford um, early on and then for Man United to come back in the, the manner that they did, I think it hurt a lot. I really, really do. I think it was really important for Barca's progress for for them to qualify, for, for them to go through in the next round. Um, and I think we're seeing the, the impact um, of of those games, um, the focus that they had on those games as well, and uh, I think it, that's what stands out above everything else. Physically, Barca don't look anywhere near the level that they were previously. I think one thing I wanted to ask you actually: have mm. they been over those two games against United defensively found out a little bit? Because they've they've got this incredible defensive record in La Liga, conceded what eight goals all season, even after that defeat at Almeria. But the way they've defended, I mean, they have been backed up by an incredible Marc-Andre Tostegen in goal, as we've said all season. He's, he's just been in phenomenal form, which has coloured things a, a little bit. And you wondered how sustainable the, the numbers were. It's quite a, a risky way of defending. Like, they push so, so high. And it felt to me that Almeria, having beat them at the weekend, and Almeria are very good at home. I think we have to respect that, despite the fact they're promoted and struggling a little bit as you would expect it felt to me as if they'd watched the United games you look at the winner the El Bilal Toure goal it's a great finish but it's just a simple ball over the top that makes the most of that space behind them and it feels to me that maybe United have opened the way for other teams to look at how they might get at Barcelona that's very much the case um, going to these games any any kind of previews I did before the Man United games I was saying look Barcelona are are there to be got at at the back mm. and people's like what have you seen their defensive record and I was like yeah but they're in La Liga La Liga isn't what it was the finishing isn't to the standard there it once was um, Barcelona's expected goal against actually this season to, to really go into the underlying numbers is 18.84 they're, they're vastly you mm. know you know outperforming okay. um, so this was always 
going to come back. They do concede chances. Uh, Ter Stegen has been unbelievable. I'd say the best level he's been at since he drew, uh, came to Barcelona. So you're right to point that out. Um, but ultimately, they have been there to to get out. If you have got the quality, you can get at them. And I think it'll be interesting to see if the teams now with less quality can actually get at them by approaching them in this manner. But Manning United have definitely put down a bit of a blueprint there. For I I, I always say this. I, I never understand why teams sometimes back off the, the better teams. I know there's always a risk of taking a hide in there. But, you know... I think seven times out of ten, a lot of really good teams are there to be got and can be opened up. We've seen it with Manchester City this season as well. Some people are like, oh, we need to be aware of getting caught. Have a go at them. They're there to be got at. They can be pulled apart. And we've seen it numerous times with City. We'll see it with Barcelona. and we're going to see it a lot more as well. Let's not lose sight of the fact that Barcelona is still seven points ahead of everybody else, True. including Real Madrid in La Liga. And already the Barcelona fans are calling for Xavi to be exited from the club. That's crazy, well, isn't some, it? Well, some Twitter Barcelona uh, yeah. fans. Oh, well, I, okay. I wouldn't Not read into too, too much. The, the actual match-going fan and the, the Twitter fan is completely so, so far removed. I think we've seen two levels of toxicity this week. I think that would, what happened with Xavi there, and we also, I don't know if you noticed, the David Alaba's situation as well, the yeah. Madrid fans as well, yeah. it, it, it racially abusing their own player, which is incredible because what's happening with Vinicius Junior right now in Spain? Like, just remarkable. So, yeah, I wouldn't read too much into what Twitter fans say about anything of any club, quite frankly. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting, though, isn't it, that it's, it's still very much, despite the results in terms of numbers in La Liga being what they are, as you say, Dotton, there's still that reserve. There's still that sense that he's building something and they're taking baby steps. And those are feelings accentuated by how far off it and how vulnerable they've looked in in Europe, really. I mean, it's unfortunate in one sense getting Manchester United in the last 32 of the the Europa League, but it's the test they wanted and it's the test they needed because they they had their chances in the group stage of the Champions League and they can moan about the refereeing, but they fell short. They they had the opportunities and they, they didn't make the most of them at, at both ends of the, of, of, of the pitch. But it is still a, a work in progress. And if you think about what Xavi inherited, well, it should be, shouldn't it? It should be a work in progress. Um, look, I think you've got to remember this is his first full season working in the European elite. Mm. Um, you know, and you've got to give him time. And like you said, I think, no, I think you summed it up perfectly there. It's baby steps. They've made some very, very positive moves, I think, forward. I think we can clearly see the identity, what he's wanting to give Barcelona. Um, so then they're, they're moving in the right direction. There are going to be there are going to be setbacks. And I think the Manning United games were just a really, really good look at, at how far they've come but once again I think and I think this has been an issue over the years for for Spanish clubs to an extent of time more so Barcelona really um, when they face a high tempo they are really really vulnerable they find it very very difficult to compete they've only got a few players there I think that I'd say are capable of producing that type of football I think Araujo and Balde two players I think you know and again two very young players so it, it's a sign of where Xavi's wanting to go it's a sign of what he sees as Barcelona's weaknesses so integrating more players like those can really really help them and we've seen Real Madrid do it as well that's why Real Madrid bought Camavinga and if you look at the role that Camavinga's playing as well they've identified it as well they've said look this is where we can cut the gap between the teams who play in a particular high tempo where your Manning United's your Napoli's and, and generally your Premier League teams as well always so look to increase is, the tempo Is that where they lack compared to say, one of, one of the great Barcelona sides? Because it's something that's never really recognised, is it, about Pep Guardiola's Barcelona, that they're, they're 
very athletic and physical in a different way rather than they're not all like obviously six foot two and 14 and a half stone yeah but in in terms of the mobility in terms of the constant movement in terms of the pace at which they play the game it's like you know best barcelona it's like watching best golden state warriors in terms of yeah. ball, ball movement isn't it we we don't see that from this Barcelona at the same sort of rhythm, at the same no, sort of they're, tempo. They're, they're Have they got athletic enough players? No, not yet. I think it's, it, it's like I say, it's still his first year. I think they're gradually going to, if you look at Barcelona's next maybe two windows, I think they're going to buy, be buying a, a particular type of player mm. and fears now others. Now, there was a particular instance, and I really wanted to bring this up as well, and this is a report from Mundo Deportivo, um, about during the Almeria game. So Busquets lost possession against Almeria at one point and Xavi shouted at Busquets um, and he said, I want more intensity, more, want more intensity. I want to see the, the tempo increase. So he's wanting that tempo. Now, Busquets asked Xavi then, he went back to him and he goes, are you asking for intensity for yourself, Xavi, or for the team? You need to calm down, is what he said. So this is the thing. Look, look Xavi can get very caught up emotionally, I think, in games as well. So Busquets was saying to him, is this for you? Or is this for the team? Will this benefit the team? Or is this something that you, you know that, that you're wanting, that you, you that you need personally? And I think Barcelona do need that style. And I think it's probably Busquets' last year. And I think it's going to be really positive for them when when he does leave. Because they can then they can really shift the needle, I think, to the direction that they want to go as a team and be more, have a higher physical capacity, I think. I would have thought, uh, watching that game against Almeria, I would have thought that... Xavi would be having a, a, a go, uh, not at Busquets, but um, ha- having a go at Lewandowski because Lewandowski is the player that they brought in uh, to score goals and he missed some sitters. I, I don't think they can have any massive complaints about Lewandowski this season. He's, he's, he's done so much for them. Um, but it's, it's funny, I wonder how he sees it actually because what David was saying about... A, a team that plays with sort of physical intensity, every Bayern and Dortmund side he's played in have had that. Yeah, yeah. This is a very different way of playing football. And the way he's viewed, it's a little bit like the way he's viewed in Spain in general, it recalls a little bit how David Beckham was viewed in his first season at Real Madrid. Now, very different sort of players, of course, but people would ask, you know, remember Beckham got nicknamed Forrest yeah. Gump because he runs and he runs and he runs and no one knows why. He's so out of kilter with the rest of the team. And the physical side of Lewandowski, and we've always talked about it, the fact that he's not just a very skilled goal scorer, but he he relishes the battle. He relishes getting into it with mm. centre-backs. He loves all that. He loves the filth part of the game. That's something that people in Spain have got. Oh, we didn't realise Lewandowski was like that. We've only seen the highlights. They thought he was just a pure goal-scoring animal. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and, he, he, you know, I think in Spain, they've been so used to watching Karim Benzema over the years as well. Just the, the complete centre-forward, the complete package. We, we've talked about Benzema so much in this show, so I don't need to go over that anymore. And I think they've seen Lewandowski and they've looked at him and they go, all oh, right, okay, he's... He's like a little bit different type. He doesn't he, he doesn't do those type of things. And I think sometimes that can go against him. But no, he he's his own type of striker and a very, very good one at that. But he's not seeing the ball enough in this Barca team. And I'll tell you what, there might be a bit of a parallel there with Haaland at Man City as well. 
maybe not seeing the ball enough, maybe not seeing the ball in the same way that he used to receive it at his previous club. So Louis got it at Bayern in a particular way. I think Haaland got it in a particular way at Dortmund. Very different styles. And they're both, it's funny, they're at different stages of their career, but they both haven't to adjust to a, to a brand new mm. style of uh, the football. Barcelona have got to adjust pretty quickly because they've got a date with Destiny tonight, if you're listening to this mm. uh, pod on a Thursday night, because they're facing Real Madrid in the Copa del Rey. Real Madrid would have seen, as you pointed out, that Manchester United game. They would have seen that, all those Manchester United games, and they would have seen Al Maria uh, going over the top, as it were. It's funny. I, I wonder if both of these... I, 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 yeah, I, I think there are, there are two sides to that. Firstly, um, with regards to that specific point, I wonder if that makes you pick Rodrigo. I, I wonder if that makes him join Karen Benzema for that ball over the top. Maybe that's your answer. Maybe you don't have um, Valverde as your, your right-sided attacker. Maybe I think you'll, I think you'll play on the left. Further back. I think Ancelotti, so Ancelotti moved him to Valverde to the left against Liverpool. Okay. Left coming being a central. And I thought that worked really, really well. Okay. Because Fede just likes to drift off into those wide areas, but also drop in deep as the extra right. centre midfielder. So I'll be surprised if we didn't see that. Yeah, okay. Oh, that, 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 would, that would be interesting to watch. I think the other thing to, to notice is the fact that we talked about Barcelona. You talked about Barcelona getting beaten up by Man United. Real Madrid looked really tired off the back of that that, that Liverpool game. Like they, yeah. they put a heck of a lot into that and obviously they had to because they went 2-0 down really early on and you know they dug deep to, to, to come back. It was a really great performance. They were really flat against Atletico at the weekend. And if Atletico had been a little bit more braver, a little bit more front foot, they they could have been looking at a win, but they could have been looking at a win anyway. But but for that late Alvaro goal, the eighteen year old scoring his, his 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 first goal, I think what's really interesting about this game though is the way that that Xavi is framing it as you know he's someone who's always talked from the moment he arrived at Barcelona, from before he arrived at Barcelona as coach, saying we've got to be ambitious, we've got to be Barcelona, never mind the diminished resources, we've got to be front foot. And now for this game, he's saying, well, we've got to be more Getafe. Than Barcelona in this because Real Madrid are the favourites. What, what does that mean, though? What because that... I know why he's saying it. That, because that, they're, they're ball free, really. Yeah, Getafe, aren't they? They're not at the physical capacity that they were before. They can't do what they did in the Supercopa and take the game to um, Real Madrid. He knows that the team right now isn't that fit, isn't that strong, and they can't play in that same manner. They won't be able to do it. But it's quite unlike him to temper expectation, isn't it? I think he's prob- probably that concerned. I think he's looking at them right. in front of him and going, wow, these lads are absolutely gassed. They've put a half a season in so far and they're really, really, you know, we, we're, and they've got a few little injuries here or there as well. Um, I think there's certain thing I, I'm, I'm really intrigued about. I think I think this is going to decide the game, actually, this this part, these two parts. And I think how Araujo uh, faces up against Vinicius. Araujo is apparently going to play a right back. It's going to be Koundé's centre-back, which I think is a good move, first, first and foremost. And also how they deal with Kamavinga's, um, you know, his approach to the game. Because right now, Ancelotti's got him playing as a bit of a, a disruptor. So rather than just sitting back, just stroking the ball about, he's just pushing up. He's got a little bit of old Casemiro type vibe. He's just pushing <laughs> up, just looking to break up play, intercept and start attacks early and just get that ball straight to Vinny as soon as he can. So it'll be interesting to see how Barca combat that, considering all the criticism Busquets has had about being a little bit too slow, a, bit, a little bit too like pragmatic, I think. So that's I think those are the two keys for this game. But I, it's, I think it's going to be completely different to what we saw in the Supercopa. Mom. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Now, I know both of you like to bring in an American football reference. You know, we're sticking with the round ball for this one. But do you remember Slick Rick's album... Um, the Adventures of Slick Rick. Because of course. Oh, oh well, good. This is the return of the ruler. That's what he said, because he'd been in jail. He'd been in jail. Do you remember? He had this um, shooting incident with a relative of his who he claimed had nicked his jewellery, etc. But in Serie A, they've seen the return of... Two rulers once upon a time. Shall we start with Paul Pogba, first of all? What a reception he got when he even started warming up to come on the pitch, to be subbed on the pitch uh, for Juve. Well, if, if, if you think our, our man Marcus Bella was there earlier this week, wasn't he? He was, and he sent us an interesting review of this match and the way that the fans received Paul Pogba. By the way, for this, he's not Marcus he is Marco. Marco. Hello, you ravishingly sexy Europeans. Um, Marcus here. Uh, I was at the Turin Derby on Tuesday evening. Great game, 4-2. Torino had him going for a bit, led twice. Uh, but of course, the old lady came back and slapped them down. Um, my observations were that Juventus were quite poor. Uh, I know Allegri is uh, can be a little bit conservative, but... Many times, especially in that first half, Torino had all 10 outfield players camped out in the Juventus half and the home fans were getting a little bit frustrated but of course their quality would, would, would shine through in the end. But Paul Pogba, my goodness, Pogba, when he started warming up, everybody was, was cheering and the number of people were out of their seats. They love that guy there. And when he came on, he gave everybody in the stadium a huge lift. And he gave the team a bit of a lift as well, him coming on with Chiesa as well. And and Juventus would, would run out 4-2 winners. But yes, I think they believe that they've got a world beater in Pogba. And you could understand why, what he did there before. And, you know, he's a World Cup winner and all that kind of stuff. So it was it was great to see him back on the field. 
he he looked apart the body language was 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 there uh, and he got everybody going so i think juventus this season due to points deduction bit of a write off maybe um but pogba back in a juventus shirt yeah you you could sense it then the fans went away very very happy indeed he's right about the game it was a cracking game yeah it was and in a way that i don't think necessarily would have pleased massimiliano allegri because he is someone who likes no surprises, who likes to have everything under control and likes to bend football to, to his will, which kind of feels out of step with the rest of Serie A in, in many ways. But I think the interesting thing in the way that Allegri sees things is that he's always said since the start of this season, as, as, as Nicky's told us, that he has always said this will be a season of two halves. There will be the bit before the World Cup and there will be the bit after the World Cup and what he meant by the bit after the World Cup is the bit where we get back Chiesa and Pogba. Now, Chiesa has already been coming back for a while. They've been edging him in very, very slowly to avoid him getting any little muscle strains or hamstring pulls or any, anything like that after he came back from his ACL. With Pogba, it's been even more painstaking. And of course, this was him making his, his, his second Juventus debut. So I think what Marcus was saying about him giving this real lift to Juventus is is, is important. Um, we know what a difference him and Chiesa can make w- when they're in the, the the team. But I think that sense of anything is possible is important. You had on the front of um, Gazzetta della Sport today that, um, you know, the target is the Champions League with Pogba. Now, as Marcus was saying, really, the season should be a write-off after that 15-point deduction, you know, notwithstanding any appeals or, or whatever further down the line. But I think what you were saying about the, the, the magnetism that Pogba still has, that idea with with him, we can chase down this 10-point gap. We're not going to stick with it. They're in a conference league place at the moment, which is still pretty good considering they've had those points knocked off. But that idea that everything is still possible. I, I wonder if that's been slightly fired, of course, by Roma going and losing to Cremonese who hadn't won a single game but still it's amazing to think that Pogba could sort of not just affect things on the pitch but affect that change of mood as he does so often for France I think Allegri kind of changed and tacked a little bit in terms of bringing some of the younger players through as well as also being interesting and I think that's going to give them an extra impetus in the second half of the season so if you looked Fagioli and Baroncena came in I think he made a big decision to put Baroncena over um, Paredes Paredes yeah which I think was really significant and Allegri a couple of years ago would not have gone anywhere near a decision like that would he not so do you get the impression he's like cracking the whip and demanding a bit more of his Older stars, that's his way of doing it. But they simply aren't good enough. You, you, I think he's finally seeing, wow, Juve have brought in a lot of older stars over the years and a lot of them have, have disappointed. Well, I, with, think. I think, you know what you're talking about before with Barcelona, about pace yeah. and tempo. You can't do that with some of the players, some, especially yeah. some of the midfield players that they've had. They were still, uh, this is where the, I thought, I thought the board had such a huge decision at Juventus in the summer because they stick with the Legri and then continue to buy players that suit his style of f- football. Mm. Or they get rid of him and then bring in a different type of player. Now, they opted, obviously, to stay with Allegri. Now, by hook or by crook, he's actually starting to bring through players that he normally wouldn't have selected. Um, and it's it's really interesting to see that. And I think that's all positive for for Juve. And I think that'll help them in the wrong run, long run. Because they've got to find a different direction from what they used to go in with under Allegri, I think. 
Do you know, uh, Andy suggested something in passing that there are arguably two Paul Pogbas. Is it a case of the Paul Pogba that plays for the national team versus the Paul Pogba that many people listening will think, hang on, he, he can be a liability at, at club level. You know, he, he can go AWOL, not to talk of, he, he can have all sorts of issues, even though he's a talisman. Do you want that kind of headache? I, th I think it's a really interesting question because the the player that Manchester United fans saw for the last few years and the player that France fans saw, totally different. And, you know, there was always a sense in the first half of this season that they, and Didier Deschamps was sort of holding the door open for him to be ready for the World Cup. It was even a suggestion, if he wasn't fully fit, we'd take him anyway because he's so important to the spiritual and moral life of the of the team. I mean, I think on the pitch, if you were looking at it now, I mean, imagine Pogba is not just coming back to being fit, but at his absolute best at the moment. Do you take Chiumeni out of the team for him? I'm not convinced you do. That's such a good, no, question. No, such a good I, question. I don't think I don't. you do. And it's not, it's not just age-based, is it? No. I, I don't think they really missed him at the World Cup in terms of not in the on the pitch. Off the pitch, maybe it's a, a different story. Now, we're seeing that off the pitch bit already. The lift that he's giving to Juventus, as, as Marcus described. But but whether he can get fit enough to, to dictate, and whether he will be that central figure. Remember the first time he was at Juve? He was really on the left of the midfield yep. three. Yep. And when they got to a point when the midfield changes quite a lot after the 2015 Champions League final, when he gets the number 10 shirt, it feels like a lot of pressure. It feels like it's quite hard to deal with. Pogba is best, despite being at one point the most expensive player in the world, Pogba is best when he doesn't really have that much responsibility. Mm -hmm. he's, he's got everything you need in terms of physicality, in terms of passing, in terms of being able to glide past people, in terms of scoring goals. He can do all that stuff. But if it's all on you, it feels harder. Now, Going back to what you were talking about, David, with Allegri sort of saying, well, look, if, if you let me down, I'm going to pick the young players. Yeah. Which is fine. Does Pogba respond to that? No, I don't think he does. I don't think he's that type of player who, who, who would respond to it. I just don't, I don't get that vibe from him um, at all. I think Serie A suits his game a lot better. I think Juve yeah. particularly suits yeah. his game better. That's why, he, it's why he's been so um, outstanding in national football. It's a different style of football. Mm. It's a bit, it's a bit more slower. It's a bit more methodical. Um, you, you know, I think, just hypothetically speaking, say he was at Manchester United now, I don't think he would be in the team because I, I think the tempo again. I know I'm using that. I've used that, that for that position. That's yeah. saying something. And it I'm makes them a bit stuck in the mud. Yeah, and I'm using yeah. this word tempo so much today. But honestly, it's so so important. I think it really is to have a particular player who fits that style and who can honestly understand read games. And I think it would be a little bit too much for Pogba. Whereas at Serie, in Syria, I think with Juve, I think he knows the league well. He knows that he can again, like Andy saying, he doesn't have to be the main man. He just needs to be a key cog in the work, but not the biggest cog. This is a question from APJ nineteen eighty nine on Instagram. And you touched on it earlier, Andy, but let's get an answer to this. Can Juve make the top four now, despite that 15-point deduction that you mentioned, now that they're 10 points off it? It was the best thing. With Pogba back, 
Four minutes warming up on the touchline, getting ready to come on. He got the support of the uh, Juve faithful. I mean, it's super hard to back against Allegri Juventus, I think, especially mm. when they get into some sort of rhythm. Results always trump performances. That's what he will always say. I, I just wonder the effect of what's happening in the title race as well, because Napoli have basically won it already. So I wonder if that creates a bit more of a dogfight in places two to five at the moment, because we know at least one really good team are going to miss out on on, on Champions Which League. One? Well, yeah, may, maybe two if you're including including Juventus, because you've got Lazio, who a good, but I don't feel they're a great Lazio side. You've got Roma, who could have gone back in the top four and shot themselves in the foot earlier this week. Um, you've got Inter, you've got Milan, who have both got Champions League commitments. I think if you're Juventus, you're looking at those teams taking points off off each other because gotcha. none of them are infallible. I and gotcha. then maybe that opens I completely the door. agree. I think Juve are going to get it, but I'll tell you what, I don't think it's going to be down at Pogba. I, don't, I think it's going to be down to the penny dropping for Allegri in terms of bringing these younger players through right. to give them a freshness. Okay, and now Pogba is not the only ruler that's returned. <laughs> there is one, I think, self-acknowledged ruler of the game. Zlatan Ibrahimovic has returned uh, at the age of 41 for Milan. It's an incredible achievement though, isn't it? Oh, and let me guess, he has come back stronger and uh, used Latin. Yes, yes. So, honestly, I'm starting to question oh, whether he exists. Is he, is he, I think he's just a quote. He's just a, walk, he's just a quote machine, you know? Like nobody really knows that he's existed or whatever. Nobody's ever seen any of his works, but they just see quotes about But you're you know? still interested when he makes a comeback. He's always good news, isn't he? It's always headline news. Yeah, I, I mean, I think the mood he's brought as he's become more involved. Again, we talked about Pogba and the mood. I, I think it's really important. Um, Milan have really picked up in, in recent weeks. I think the winning the home game against Tottenham in the Champions League has given them a massive boost. They're not playing like they did in the run-in to Serie A last season where they're absolutely unstoppable and they're eating up win after win after win and they took advantage of that one into slip. Um it's, it's all a little bit more circumspect. But I think it's it's quite fascinating to see them play a very different sort of style. It doesn't feel like Pioli's best Milan. But then again, Zlatan is, is, is such a great talisman. That's the story of his 30s, really. I mean, it's something that's overlooked because we think of him as, like you say, the ruler, capital T, capital R, you know, the, the ultimate talisman. And the fact that he's an individual, he wants to do stuff his own way and on his own terms. He is a great influence on younger players and has been for a number of years. That's why he's been so important in this second spell at Milan. Now, the the goals have been an added bonus, especially when he first arrived before the injuries really kicked in. And, you know, he's, he's, he's been unfortunate, but that he's got such a strength of will to come back at 41 is ridiculous. It's amazing. It, it, it is amazing. But he's shown this squad how to be winners. I, I don't think we can underrate that. I still think... The biggest comeback in this Atalanta game, I don't know about you, David, and the one that I think could turn the tie or help them get it over the line against Spurs in the Champions League, Mike Magnon coming back in goal. Yeah. Who is the guy, remember, who's going to succeed Hugo Lloris as France international goalkeeper. Mm -hmm. Missed three months. Tatarasanu is, okay, he's a decent goalkeeper. He's nowhere near Magnon's level. You've seen, I think, the breakdown in communication between goalkeeper and defence. Magnon's a the best goalkeeper in Serie A, um, one of the best in Europe. 
he could have a massive influence on this and the rest of their season, couldn't he? I, I couldn't agree more. Um, it was zero shots on target um, from Atlanta, zero scoring chances as well. But Milan looked very, very good at the back. I think with that three with Kalulu, Theo and Tamori, mm. they've got something going there. That's great for Manian to come uh, to come back into mm. that, and and that could be really that could be how Milan go through the next the se- next season uh, the rest of the season with with those four being really you know strong core of, of that team, and then also just just going back to Zlatan if that's okay, I think you make a great point about him and the influence that he has on other people, um, making them winners, make, having that winner mentality, and look, I really really like Rafael Leal, I really do. But I think there's a monster in there to potentially be unleashed that hasn't yet. Mm. And he needs to find that consistency. He just needs to find that extra edge in his game. And I do wonder if Zlatan's the sort of person who could kind of, you know, get that out of him. Rich. Well, he already did that once, didn't yeah, he? Yeah. Like, like he, he was like kind of his chaperone, really. Yeah. And he was a, a player who was, was looking like a bust, really. Yeah. You know, they paid a lot of money for him from Lille. And then he starts to become himself with the cajoling of, of Zlatan. There's so much left in this season for Milan. I, I, I don't know what you guys think is going to happen at Tottenham. Well, I think what you were going back to, they're going to make it difficult for Spurs to score. Oh, and Spurs don't really hard. Spurs don't create that many chances, do they? So who's yeah. going to win? Who's going to win that tie? I, I, I reckon... I've, I've always said it would be Spurs by a whisker. I'm starting to waver on that a little bit. I think Milan's going to do it. Yeah, narrowly mind. I think it's going to be a really, really close tie. It's going to be a good tie, but I think Milan are just going to get it done. I remember one of one of one of the best Zlatan performances ever. If we're going back what eleven, twelve years, you remember? You remember that game he had for Barcelona at the Emirates? It's probably yeah. his, his best Barcelona game. He's, he's going to buzz off that as well. Flood lights and uh, you know, against an English team as well. He's going to buzz off that. He really is. And I suppose we can all conclude that even as we speak. Uh, Milan are watching the Sheffield United victory (laughs) over Tottenham. Talking of rulers of the game, well, there's another uh, 40-year-old or 40-something-year-old that we should talk about. No, he's actually 40. Pepe, the great defender, a Portuguese defender, of course, um, currently at Porto. He's celebrated his 40th birthday this week and he is still known for his shit housing. Is that how you describe it? Uh, yeah, I, th- I think uh, he really invented the term. Uh, <laughs> I, th- I think more more by, more by action than the language. What does it mean? He is someone who doesn't just bend the rules. He, he often breaks them. He shits all over the rules. Uh, yeah, pretty much. He is a, a fascinating player, I think. You, you look at the arc of his career and he is someone who came from Brazil to Portugal when he was pretty young, um, really popped off at Porto after moving over from um, Maritimo and, and and then then Real Madrid, where he built a certain reputation, mainly because of his relationship with Jose Mourinho, who sort of turned him into... His sort of Rottweiler in midfield, when he's always been a better centre back, and he remains an absolutely fantastic centre back. We'll, we'll come to how good he is as a player in a, in, in a minute. I have to say, he couldn't have celebrated his 40th birthday in any more apt style. Porto at home to Gil Vicente should be a gimme. They go one nil up early on. They end up losing at home and end up with nine men. 
It could have been eight because he could have been sent off, couldn't he? <laughs> he should have been sent off, actually. You know, if VAR is anything you've, to go you VAR by, in Portugal now. I can't even I think watch that. that. They, they'd that. welcome you with open arms. <laughs> <laughs> they really would. Honestly, I mean, you, you saw that shocking tackle. Well, yeah. It wasn't even a tackle, was it? Yeah. But um, that's one side of Pepe. I'm not sure how intentional that was, but surely the shit housing has come to the fore, so to speak. Is he in danger of being remembered for that? The antics on the field, particularly when he's fouled somebody, and like, who me? Uh, you looking at me? Um, is he going to be remembered more for that than the skills that he shows? It, that he showed at Real Madrid primarily, yeah. but as he showed for Portugal, he formed one of the best centre back pairings I've ever seen. Sergio Ramos uh, and Pepe together was just absolutely incredible. It's funny because on their own, they're both loose cannons, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. but but together they're just um. It was funny. I've got I've got a quote from Sergio Ramos as well. He was asked about Pepe, and he said Pepe are too rough. He said football is for the strong, and Pepe is one of those. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just a fantastic quote. That and it's really like Ramos Ramos loves him as well. I noticed when Ramos put out his statement last week on Instagram as well. He mentioned Pepe. He mentioned Modric, but he also mentioned Pepe as well. Messi, Modric, and Pepe. When you when you think of that. Real Madrid slash Porto crossover. Imagine for a minute. I mean, I I think it's very sad that you never got a Porto team with both Pepe and Casemiro. In yeah, it. I was about to say. Yeah. Re- re- remember, like Real Madrid had to pay seven and a half million to like buy out the buyout clause and basically buy their own player back. Just, just remarkable, yeah. Didn't right. they? So to, to get their own player back. But he, he had an incredible season at, at, at Porto Casemiro. Imagine if you had Sergio Ramos, Pepe with Casemiro in front. Oh, I mean, Jesus. that would be I mean, jokes, that, wouldn't it? Yeah, that's just, that's just that's just frightening. I mean, you're coming out of the tunnel and you're seeing those three. You just <laughs> you, you know what I mean, like monster mentality. There, I, I, I think I think but, both uh, Sergio. Obviously, like United want to keep Casemiro for a while yet, but doesn't Sergio Ramos need a post? Paris plan. Oh, get, him I mean, get Maguire, get Maguire out, and get Ramos in for a season. Get, see, get, get a bit of the band back together. Do you see what the problem is? We're, we're talking about Pepe yeah. celebrating his fortieth birthday, but we're bringing in lots of other conversations. Go on. I'll, I'll, I'll go back to Pepe. I'm going to go back. Look, look. To answer your question, abs- no, honestly, absolutely. I think, unfortunately, what he's doing in in his style of play, in terms of that, the shithousing is I think with the casual European football fan, with a casual Premier League fan, that's what's gonna, that's what they're gonna highlight. But if you look at the style of centre back that he is as well, he, he, lovely on the ball, very calm, very cool, off the ball, very assertive with his decision making. Though he knows when to when to push out, when to come back. Um, I think Euro twenty sixteen for me is the best Pepe I've seen. I thought mm. he was phenomenal at that yeah. moment. I thought he was an absolute rock. Um, He's just had a great World Cup. Yeah, a really yeah. great World he, Cup. He did. But still a physical competitor as well. Just yeah. incredible. People talk about Ronaldo and the strength and what have you. Look at Pepe. Just still quick in terms of his his actions, but with his mind, but also with his legs as well. And mm. that's what's remarkable. And he's and that's why Ramos mentioned that Instagram post because he watched it and he must have watched it and thought Pepe is just still the same player I saw when I played alongside. I, I think that's funny, isn't it? How he's older than Sergio Ramos, but he's weathered much better than him. Uh, he's he's a better player. He's, he's closer to his peak than Sergio Ramos is at, at, at this point. And people would regard Sergio Ramos, a lot of people out there would regard, regard Sergio Ramos as a better defender. I've got to correct that. Sergio Ramos is a better footballer. I don't think he's a better defender than Pepe because there aren't many better defenders than Pepe. He's still Champions League level. 
He's still a first pick for his his national team. And going back to what we were saying with um, Mourinho and how he, he was sort of not really that good for him because he wound him up and made him lunge into tackles and do mad stuff. I think as well, you were talking about how calm he is on the ball and people don't really associate Pepe with calm because they remember him losing his shit against Getafe and, and, and booting and the game. shit out of Javier Casquero. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, that's, yeah. That's, that's, that's the one. Yeah, yeah. Whereas actually, he's got he's got very few, relatively few yellow cards over uh, red cards over his career, particularly over the over the last five ten years. What really helped for him? I mean, he's a better centre half than he's a midfielder anyway. But when he's a centre half, he can see the game in front of him. He can pull the strings of the game and he can dictate. Whereas if he doesn't know what's going on behind him. He never really knew where he was. So it was never really a, a technical issue with him in midfield. It was more an issue of spatial awareness and balance. Reading the game. Really. Yeah, re- like just yeah. reading the Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, I, th- yeah. I, th- yeah. I think so. Yeah. Whereas if you've got... That's why him and Sergio Ramos were really perfectly complementary. Because Ramos is the destroyer and he's actually the one who gets the ball moving, isn't yeah. he? Yeah, that's very fair. You can have your say on this, of course. You can get in contact with us at any time during the course of the week at Football Ramble, at Dawson Adebayo, at Andy Brassel, and at, um, I always remember, because yours is uh, Jacka... J-A-C, yeah? yeah? Yeah, that's me. Yeah, okay. At David Jacker. Yeah. yeah. That's him. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, you know. Now, one thing that we should ask before we leave this conversation very quickly... Um, you, you, you mentioned the the, the loss uh, of Porto to Gilles Vicente. Does that mean that Porto are going to struggle in trying to win the title? Yeah, I mean, they're, they're, they're eight points behind now. Um, for them, it's about to hold on to the Champions League place, although um, Vittorio Guimaraes did them a massive favour by beating Braga in the big derby on, on, on Monday night. And what a derby that is, by the way. Um, three goals, a pen and three sending offs, just in case you asked. Um, and uh, Sporting, they are back in the race, I guess, for the Champions League now, just uh, five five points behind. The the only thing, the only caveat to that is, and I'm not sure it will come to fruition before the season ends, Benfica are being investigated for match fixing at the moment. So, dot, dot, dot. I'm staying out of that one. So finally, it's time to ask you both for a game of the week uh, to recommend. And I understand that you're both staying on the Iberian Peninsula? No. Oh, no. You're going for the Italian Peninsula. Yeah. yeah. That's, yeah. That, 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 that's in Italy. Just We're having a weekend in Italy. Yeah, yeah. yeah just checking. Don't stereotype us, though. Okay, the left, the left boot of Europe has offered you games of the week. Do you, do you want to go first, David? Yeah, please. Uh, mine's Friday night. Under the Friday night lights at the Diego Armando Maradona, Oof. we've got Napoli versus Lazio. Oh, now this is going to be a tasty affair, very, very tasty. I'll get to the food in a minute, but in terms of the game, Lazio, so six draws this season, second best defense record with Juventus as well, fourth best away record in the entire league. I am going to say that the Napoli machine is going to get stopped, and they're going to they're going to drop points. I'm not going to say I'm not saying Lazio oh, are going okay. to win. I'm saying we're going to get a draw. 
just put a little, just uh, you know, a little spanner into that na- that runaway Napoli train at the moment. So I think it's gonna be a really good game. And and I know high scoring draw, obviously, it's Napoli. Low scoring, low scoring. Really? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm honestly, I'm, I'm, I think Lazio are gonna shut them down. I really, really do. They're gonna be nice and compact. I think we're gonna see Napoli just come unstuck ever so slightly. Not it's gonna have to be a good dinner to make up for this lack of goals. <laughs> yes, oh, of man, course, of course. Yeah. I'm, I'm going with, I'm going with a with an Italian staple, and I think it's the best pizza. I'm going with a margarita pizza. Why not? Yeah. Well, they won't, they won't have anything else in. Napoli. Naples, will they? There you go. I didn't know that. So what, are you going to follow that with, Andy? Um, well, uh, it's going to be a long wait till uh, Sunday night. So uh, maybe maybe we're going to go through a number of courses between uh, Friday and Sunday. Um, I am going to say Roma versus Juventus. Yes. Juventus yes. coming up on the rails. Roma, as we said, uh, surprisingly dropping that game at Cremonese. They need to get themselves back in place for the top four this 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 week um oh, it's, it's just fascinating well from remember, what we said about Juve yeah remember this game last year as well at the Olympico was a seven goal thriller where Roma were 3-1 up and ended up losing 4-3 um which pushed Mourinho quite <laughs> to the edge now remember Mourinho won't be on the touchline for this <laughs> because he was sent off for arguing with uh the referee who he made cast all sorts of aspersions about afterwards, especially robbing him of being on the touchline for this um, this game. Also, in this morning's uh, newspapers, he's been accused of uh, booing players at an under-14s game. Well, oh, I, lo- I love that. I love that. I'm not sure about that. So man. all I can say is after David's main course, you're going to lead a lot of panettone to slow ball up. <laughs> is um, Mourinho going to be in the stands? Uh, yeah, he is. Right. Whether it's the stands of the Olympic, right. I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm envisioning uh, the Bluetooth headset, a la Big Sam. Yeah, I think, I think it'd be great. Take it all the way back. Get him in. Get him in the laundry basket. <laughs> you lot not taking this games of the week seriously, are you? <laughs> yeah. Football Ramble is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network.